So uh, it's directed by Ben Wheatley, who we right. talked about on this podcast within the Earth. Um, somebody I find very interesting for the most part, but like it was exciting to see a weird name like that attached to the Meg too. But then the actual like response to it, I'm like, ah, maybe I don't need to rush out to see this. Which is I sad. did watch the first Meg to prepare myself for it, and I was uh-huh. very underwhelmed. It's it kind sucks. of just like, all right. This is kind of a movie, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, I that was I think around the time that came out and I saw it is when I realized, oh, I think Rain Wilson is not good. <laughs> Sorry, Rain. And, um, uh, I, I don't I've like had issues in the I, past. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's like awful or anything, but I just I feel like nothing for me has done it after the office. You know what I mean? Like he's got obviously he's good in the office and there's moments and what about Super? Super oh, was yeah, one that I always kind of championed. Yeah, Super's pretty good. Although I do remember seeing that um, the original casting, though, I remember being a lot better, but I can't remember who it was. But, like, I remember watching it and liking it and then seeing that somebody else was cast before him and then had, like, dropped out or was considered or something like that. Eric Stoltz, th- probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, God, I wish I could remember who it was, but it was, like, a much more interesting choice. But Super's good. It- yeah. The the first one had the, of the Meg had you know it had that B movie charm but it was just it was just not entertaining. I don't overall. know. Yeah, none of the effects were very good. I thought. Yeah, and that's one of those movies where it feels like oh they plugged it in some Chinese celebrities in here, like for right right worldwide box office appeal. Yeah, although um, it did have um oh what is I can't remember his name but he's in Avatar two. He's the like water chieftain Cliff Curtis. Yes, is that yeah. it? Yeah, well, like yeah. That? I yeah. love Cliff Curtis. Hey, look, he's and he was getting paid around that time because I think uh, he did uh, Jurassic World around that era. Oh, so like, okay, you know, I think he's in Jurassic World, but um, so yeah, he's getting. I don't he's think getting so. Paid I think it's that other guy who looks a was lot in like Life him. of Pi that died of cancer. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I do like. I do remember really liking the end of uh the meg though of like the the all the sea animals like rising up to <laughs> to eat the meg to eat the meg yeah pretty fun yeah that's fine yeah i think that's like that's the, the one, way to go that's like one of the only like kind of in, in inspired yet stupid ideas the movie has you know <laughs> uh what was it i read some stupid quote was that you know for inspiration he took the movie Jaws, and it's, that inspired him for Meg too. Like, of Great. of course, would you yeah. not do that? Would have been weirder if he was like, oh, I was inspired by, like, you know, the secret lives of the bourgeoisie. Like, that would be a news story, you know? Right, or or uh, Orca, or whatever the, you know, mm-hmm. the killer whale one is. Oh, yeah, I was inspired by Orca, not Jaws. Never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's 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 we have no transition into the into this. Let's just get to it. Uh, hey, welcome to the weekly podcast massacre. Uh, I am your host for this week. My name is Greg from Los Angeles, and with me, as always, is my co-host. Hello, I'm Michael from Portland. Everyone calls me Murphy, and I have to say my name like that because it is August, and all of August on the weekly podcast massacre, we are talking the theme of ghosts for ah ghost uh, welcome back to episode two of all ghosts uh today we're talking about the whip and the body a 1963 movie directed by mario bava 
um, Why a do movie. you do these things to me, Greg? <laughs> Look, man, I you, we talked about August a long time ago. I decided on it before I decided on I decided on whipping the body before I decided on uh, Mother of Tears. So we've been doing this podcast for a long time, and ghosts float around every now and then. At one point, this category was known as horny ghosts. And Mm -hmm. even then, I had selected The Whip and the Body. I had it ready to go because it's a horny, horny ghost movie, you know? Although, I do have a question about this. There is a reading that there are no ghosts in this movie. Oh, I mean, it's almost explicit there's no ghosts. But look, that that gets into what is... think is cool about these types of ghost movies so you got like the frighteners which we talked about last week where 100 there are ghosts zero question about it they're a thing in the world there's rules to them you know there's ectoplasm ectoplasm right. yes like the tunnel of light all that stuff and then you have movies like this which i think it's much more of a gothic thing that get into the the concept of ghosts that uh I feel like it's really well said by um, The Haunting of Hill House, the Netflix series, which uh, I really liked when I first watched it. When I rewatched it, I'm like, God damn, nobody, you can't go five minutes in that series without a monologue happening where somebody breaks oh, yeah. out crying. Like, well, it's still pretty good, but like, it's it's a lot. Um, but I think I it's mean, a whole episode is just like one extended shot of yeah. monologue after monologue. Yeah. So somebody crying about cool. the time a ghost walked into their bedroom and they were five. Yeah. Um, I I like that episode with like how it ended with the girl as a ghost just kind of oh, standing yeah. there crying. Yeah, there's a lot of great moments in that series, and it, it is very effective. Um, haunting a blind or haunting a blind man, whatever blind manner, not as good. Uh, but anyway, I think it's it's I think it's in that series that they talk about like ghosts are memories. It's a memory of a person that won't leave you. Essentially, I guess what a haunting is, right? But it is like a extremely strong and powerful, vivid memory, often attached to some kind of trauma. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's exactly what the whip in the body is portraying. But it's 1963, and instead of like actually getting into the psychology of it, we're just getting into like the weird, fucked up sexual nature of like, you know, the weird BDSM. white BDSM yes. of <laughs> previous generations. Yeah, told in the 60s. Right, exactly. I mean, that is that I think is what really stands out to me. It's 1963, and like here we are with a movie that is portraying BDSM, and maybe not in a way that like, you know, obviously there's a there's people that enjoy BDSM and are perfectly functional people. Um, I feel like in many in, of them CEOs, lawyers, yes, you know. podcasters, uh, you know, uh, 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 politicians. Not what? Huh? Not outing anybody here, but. <laughs> um, but uh, so I feel like that's just like something very notable about this movie that really uh, interests me. And I really like Mario Bava as a director. So that's why I'm doing this. It's not it was not any sort of uh, payback for you saying you don't like Italian horror a couple weeks ago. Well, this might just have cemented my thought. <laughs> no, it's not, and it's not bad. It's just a lot of I was bored a lot of it to, sure. to show my hand, even with uh, a cup of coffee, like. After waking, after having a whole night's sleep, having coffee, and then watching this movie, I was still trying not to fall asleep. All right, all right. You know, like, uh, I, 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 this is going to sound like I'm moving the goalposts for these movies, but it's like sometimes with, the, with like a nice gothic, old gothic horror movie, like it's the perfect thing to fall asleep to, you know? Like mm-hmm. it, it kind of enters a weird, hazy dream state, you know? And, uh, 
I think there's something I do, I do enjoy about these movies. They're very kind of comforting, even if they're talking about really dark things, you know? Maybe, uh, you know, relating to your experience of Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yeah. Kind of like, after a while, I'm like, I don't, what are we doing here? Like, I get it. I know the plot, but. Yeah. The, the score is great. Yeah. Lighting. Oh, love the score. Acting. Oh, yeah. All good. Yeah. All great stuff. Um, the dubbing, eh, you know, it's not Christopher Lee's voice, which sucks. Yeah, that was one question I was uh, wanting to, yeah. to answer. Was I, I didn't think it was his voice. It sound, it, there's times where I think the guy dubbing it is imitating Christopher Lee, because it sounds like him at, at moments, but right. it's not him. Because he has such a commanding like, yeah. presence in his voice most of the time. Right. So it, it is missing here. Yeah, but they, they know, Mario Bava knows, like... You got to you got to put that that mug like front and center at that times. You know, there's times where he's just zooming in on his face, and it like totally works for me. Um, he's a handsome guy. I get yeah. it. Oh yeah. Hey, before we dig deeper into the whip and the body, uh, let's give some recommendations. Uh, other things that we've been you know watching or reading that are maybe not horror related. Uh, Murph, you got anything? Well, I know the thing that we both watched, and yeah. I believe we both enjoyed it. Uh, I figure we should talk about that. Is we went to see uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. Oh hell yeah! And uh, I had a great time. I, uh, I, as I told you, I got a little teary. Yeah, me at too. That, <laughs> at that point, kind of um, when they're going over like what everybody's specialty is, it's like, oh, oh Mikey, you're good at improvising. Yeah, yeah, and then. You know, Raphael comes with like, oh, Leo, it's almost like you're a leader. And I was like, God, man, they are really getting these characters. Yeah. And their personalities done well. I I really had a great time. The part that got me, and I I don't want to say too much, you know, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, of course, but there's a part near the end. There's an image of the four turtles at the very end, like walking into a place that just yeah. like for some reason that all fucking hit me right at that moment it was just like we've never seen them like accept yeah. it to a degree right so I thought yeah that exactly was really really heartwarming yeah. and it, it was like it, the, the turtles have a goal in the movie that they've never had in any other version of the turtles and when mm-hmm. to see them to see them achieve it i was just like that is that is just so touching i don't know i i yeah i loved it um i i weirdly thought and i don't think this is true of any other turtles thing but i thought leonardo was the best character like with the best turtle there's something right. about Usually him that he was is lacking right in like any development really besides again like oh you're a leader you're the um you know you're the one that always uh, right uh, tattletales on but that's almost. so that's but, like, but that's something i thought that it was interesting with the movie was that like maybe they're pointing out the trait or the that desire to be accepted like, mm-hmm. isn't that a part of leadership? Like, you want to be at the forefront, and you want to be, like, the face of things. Like, you do want to be, like, accepted by people as the leader. You want to be the one who, like, represents everyone else. You know? So I'm like, maybe that is a part of his character, is, like, this, like, kind of neediness that he has. Which is why he's so, like, mm-hmm. subservient to Splinter, and, like, yeah. And we've never really, I guess... You've seen all of them much more recently than I have. I've watched. I don't believe so we've much... ever seen them as yeah. horny as in this one. Oh no, they're much hornier in the Michael Bay one, the first one especially. Okay, like, that one. Op- so that one, Michelangelo's first line is like they see April O'Neil, and it, literally his first line is "I can feel my shell tightening." So like, mm. yeah, it's disgusting. And like throughout the rest of the movie, 
like Michelangelo will not stop like objectifying April O'Neil. Um, this one maybe like, sexy is not the right word. I get yeah. horny is not even the right word. No, uh, like longing. Yes, I think yeah. is a good Look, way to put it. The big thing in this movie is that they're teenagers, and like they don't shy away from from that. And like it makes sense. Like you know, they're so well, younger like, teenagers. Yeah, exactly. I feel most of the other ones, it's like they're seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Right, like, you're still a teenager. This one is like, no, no, they are 15. Yes. Their voices haven't uh, actually dropped all the most part. I thought Mikey's voice was a little off at points. I don't know if I, it was very, it was really deep. And I don't know if I always. But they're all being, they're being, all being voiced. They're all being voiced by By actual teens. So like, yeah. Right. Which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. But it's fun. Look, I've watched. Uh, leading up to this in the past month, I have watched so much Ninja Turtles bullshit and was like going back and reading some of the comics and like all this stuff. And uh, I was really afraid that like burned myself out on turtle stuff. And it got to the point where I was like, do I even like the Ninja Turtles? It's like, <laughs> I'm an adult man. And like I, all I've been doing the past like month and a half, you know, a month or so is like just watching this, you know, uh these like children's movies and cartoons and like the comics are sometimes written for an older audience but like i'm like what am i doing here i got a certain point and then i saw the movie in theaters and like the kids around me loved it and like mm-hmm. you know my 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 brother who also grew up watching the turtles he had a great time like we had we had a blast and i'm like it's just fun and ninja turtles are just fun man there's not there's no way around it like when you yeah. do it right they're they're a blast yeah it's just great family entertainment. I actually yeah. did a double feature of Turtles, and then I went to see Barbie again, and it was oh, nice. Like walk right out of Turtles, go get a refill on popcorn, and then Barbie is starting in like five minutes. And it was interesting because you know they're both like toy movies. Yeah. Um, Barbie's a little more heady. You know, there's more societal commentary going on in yeah. there. And I thought it was really funny. There was probably like. 10 year old girl like a row or two behind me and i could hear at the like towards the end of the movie she was bored to tears with oh what's my god going on that's the thing and i like, kind of get it yeah it's I, not as much not as exactly, i like the movie not exactly for children right no yeah, no exactly that's very it funny could, it's gonna go way over their heads for the most part it's like okay what's the patriarchy like i don't understand <laughs> that i uh twice yesterday i was hanging out with my girlfriend and like uh we were watching this Instagram reel, this guy that uh, was like, he took some mushrooms and saw the Barbie movie and he was trying to like, just relax and chill out, but ended up like getting really sucked into like the, you know, the madness of the movie. And like, he broke down like the message about like, Oh, the patriarchy and it's a system that like I benefit from that. I didn't like build or ask for, but here it is like, you know, giving me a leg up in life, and like it's just in blah blah blah. He got very, very like spacey and like freaked out <laughs> by the movie. Um, and then I was at a barcade for a friend's birthday yesterday, and like I'm playing pinball, me and some friends, and the guy next to me, who I do know from like the pinball community, he's just like a guy I know, he's talking to his friend about seeing Barbie and is going off about the same thing just a dude being like and yeah you know it's kind of funny the men, you know they're just saying it's attacking men but it's really attacking the patriarchy that is toxic to both like you know men and women and gender roles and it's like damn this movie's yeah. got people like thinking you know like holy shit it, it does and i think one of the issues that i would take is like they do shine the light on both sides of like how barbie land is not 
perfect right. either. Um, but I think it, it's a little bit more hard to sell, I guess, of like how it's totally unrealistic. Yeah. Of like, you know, you don't use stairs, you just kind of fall down yes. into your car to make it a little bit more like, mm, utopia is definitely not possible. If oh, this yeah. Is what this is the I line that, that we're drawing with it. I think the final joke of the movie about Barbie Land, like and the way it, it ends up of like, oh, hey, this is yeah. how it's going to be now. I think that final joke is so funny and does kind of like pull the rug out from under what you think it's going to be, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. um, when the god again i don't want to spoil it for anyone is but most people I mean, most people have seen barbie that movie is fucking making an insane amount of money when it just passed one billion dollars yeah I'll, whatever so there's a restructuring of barbie land at the end and the way they restructured i thought was absolutely hilarious because like they don't you think it's like oh and now everything's gonna be equal between the two but mm-hmm. it's like no it's still, it's still one side is still favored over the other and i thought that was Maybe like intentionally really day. funny Yes, men will have the same responsibilities yeah, exactly in Barbie Land that women like, have in the real I, world. The joke was like, uh, it's like you know, oh yeah, the Supreme Court will have half, be half and half, and they're like, and uh, maybe we'll start you with some like on the lower know, court some, judges. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. That I thought that was yeah. that was fantastic. Um, hey, talking about gender roles and shit, we can go back to the whip in the body. Uh, I'm trying to wait, do I have anything else? Um, no, I think uh, I think that's it. So, uh, oh, yeah. One that we did talk about a long time ago, you've always told me to watch. I watched After Hours, and I, I yeah. enjoyed it. I, oh, I'm yeah. not as... Uh, I'm, I didn't love it as much as I think you have posted sure. before, but maybe I just need a rewatch. But I, I enjoyed a lot of the, like, bizarreness of it. Yeah. And kind of makes me glad, as attractive as 80s New York seems, to be away from that and that dating scene oh yeah just like you have to meet someone randomly in a cafe dude you but, have to like chase them but what a dream that it, that whole thing is too like you're randomly in a cafe reading a book and like this like beautiful woman like comments on it Can and quote it's like, it at you yes yeah, exactly like there's something I, so i get it that setup is so like dreamy that it makes all the chaos afterwards like hit much harder you know because it's um and i didn't realize till afterwards that it's uh is it linda forentino or however you say her name yes from From men in black yeah men in black and there's something else that she was in i was like oh right yeah yeah and then she's like topless and i was like hold on let me go back (laughs) no i i love that movie i think every uh performance is so fucking good um I, I love the the waitress from the bar that is obsessed with the sixties, like oh uh, yes or fifties yes, right that, like, yeah hates her job right she has yes. the, the beehive the way she's um, like dancing in the apartment and he's like trying to tell a story like the whole thing is so funny yeah you know we've talked about him before but John Hurd yeah um, in this movie was really good oh absolutely just that small bit role mm-hmm. oh I'll uh, give you the money sure yeah. Uh, then like his reaction to the phone call it's like it's perfect he's playing it very straight but the mo- it's like a great comedic timing for the movie and somehow that yeah. like his his dramatic performance becomes a comedic one because of the timing of everything like there's something about it that's so yeah i i love after that everything's so, so bizarre the whole night when you have like someone who's reacting appropriately yeah it's yes. like more out of place <laughs> 
Oh yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, great stuff. I'm glad you watched it. Uh, I just realized that I played. I did play a game recently called The Case of the Golden Idol, which is like this kind of um, sort of like point and click murder mystery game. Uh, you know, it's okay. like a, there's a, there's a lot of like logical deduction you got to do to solve these extremely bizarre, violent deaths, um, all connected PC to like console. Uh, I, I played it on PC. I think it's available on everything, but it could be wrong. Okay. Um, but I bought it in the Steam Summer Sale for like fifteen dollars uh, with that, and it's DLC, and it, uh, I had a great time. It's very good. The overarching story it's telling over the course of like these different cases you solve is really fascinating and fun. And I would like to see it adapted into like I could see it adapted into like a movie or something. Honestly, like, and okay. I don't I don't think this game will ever become popular enough that like, hey, we're making you know we're attaching like uh... Mick G to a case of the Golden Idol movie or anything like that. But like. I just think what it's an about intriguing like an plot. Eight part animated Netflix series. I could see that working. Honestly, yeah, yeah, that'd be good. As long as hey, you know what? As long as the writers are paid. Okay. Yeah, exactly, and yeah. voice actors. Exactly. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the whip in the body. Um, it is like I said from 1963, and we got a cast of Delia Lavi as Navenka, Christopher Lee as Kurt Menliff, Tony Kendall as Christian Menliff, Evelyn Stewart as Katya. Harriet Medden as Georgia, who disappears from the movie at a certain point. Uh, <laughs> Gustavo Donardo as Count Vladimir Menlif. Uh, Jacques Herlin as the priest. <laughs> he is a, he is a big part of what I do love that scene. Um, Luciano Pigozzi as Lasat. Uh, this movie, weirdly enough, I saw some strange fact that it was released in the U.S. where uh, heavily censored. They cut out all any and all whipping scenes. Because it okay, was de- that deemed makes sense. too violent and too is, sexual. It yeah. is. I mean, she's coming in. Yeah. in one of those scenes with the whip. So it's oh, it totally. Sense. Yeah. Um. So they cut all of those out, and not even, the movie was retitled to what with an exclamation point. Yeah. I. That's an odd choice. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely insane. What. That's more like, you know, the fucking, I, not to go into more suggestions, but like I saw Pandemonium when Paul Rubens passed away. Yeah. It was like one of his early movies from 82, but it, it was almost like Airplane or any of those kind of spoof movies with like a wet, hot American summer. But oh. it was a horror film because there was like a killer at a cheerleader camp. Okay. But I feel like that's the type of movie you put what right, as yeah, the title. Exactly. You know, so, something kind of real stupid. Like if you're parodying the thing, you call it the what. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a funny one, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is directed by Mario Bava, a horror icon and legend, extremely influential in the world of Italian horror. Uh, we talked about him the other week because he was uh, Dario Argento's mentor. And uh, directed parts of Inferno, like stepped in and, and did some directorial work. Uh, he's the father of uh, Umberto Bava, who went on to make like things like Demons and Demons Two. Um, great. Do you have you seen the Demons movies? I've only seen. The I've first seen one. the first Demons yeah. movie. I love that uh, one. I might have seen parts of the second one. The first one is like in Rome in the movie theater. Yes. And there's the guy doing coke out of the coke can. Oh, yeah. Love that. That's funny. Great shot. Yeah. Great movie. Um, So uh, Mario Bava, like, he's this 
legend because he managed to make all of these movies. He he made a lot of like you know movies that sort of defined the giallo genre like before Dario Argento kind of came in and like really cemented what it is but like his early movies were known for like their shocking violence and intrigue and like kind of you know pushing these boundaries but apparently he could not have been more of like a cuddly nice friendly person that's what everyone well, says that's how about it goes him. yeah usually uh what was it i it was like uh paul thomas anderson like loves comedies and like stupid shit like that you know oh yeah i mean he you ma- hear he- that all the time about like those directors who like do really <laughs> serious heady shit and then yes. it's like oh and they're off time i want to watch like dumb and dumber exactly or, like, yeah isn't i think dumb and dumber is like jennifer lawrence's like favorite movie Something yeah. like that. But you got, like, Christopher Nolan, like, quoting Talladega Nights on the press circuit for Oppenheimer. Right. You know? That's that's one that I was thinking of recently as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, just, these guys are movie fans, you know? And they're just, yeah. Uh, but Bob, right, like, they watch everything. Yeah. I, don't, I, I feel like, though, with Italian movies... Look, maybe this is going to sound anti-Italian. But you hear about, like, Lucio Fulci, who is another iconic horror director from Italy... And it's like, oh, yeah, he treated every actor like shit, and especially the woman was, like, you know, an out misogynist, like, clearly said many times that he hated women and stuff like that. Like, Dario Argento, like, he seems like a weird goblin man who mm-hmm. is maybe a little bit of a creep, but it's kind of like, you know, who knows? But it's like, I don't know, everyone says about Bava that they loved working with him, he was great with his actors, Christopher Lee was, like, super happy with this movie, and, like, said that working with Bava was like one of the best experiences he had as an actor. Um, And the cool thing about him is that he was just like this very low budget guy who like a Sam Raimi was just like very innovative and very creative with how he pulled some stuff off. Um, Like uh, in the, in the movie, I think it's Bay of blood uh, or no, it's maybe it's black Sunday. But it's like about like he managed, he would make dollies out of anything and everything. Like he could, he could, Hmm. you know, just, you got a wheel and like a board, you can make a dolly out of it, and you can do these very professional dolly shots that look fantastic and like really, you know, accomplish what you need to. It's like, oh, you need you need a forest. Well, we have three branches, and we're just going to strategically place them and move them around the camera to like and keep like make bringing it, it in front yes. of the camera, so yeah, it looks exactly. like you're going through the forest. Yeah, yeah, things like that. Just like a very creative guy. Yeah. I definitely want to check out some more of his uh, filmography because I was looking through it. One that piqued my interest is Planet of the Vampires. Yeah, that's one. So, I have not seen that one, but I do want to. I do want to see that too. I've heard his that last seems fun. I've heard his last movie, Rabid Dogs, is like really fantastic. It's like a crime movie that is like very interesting and weird. And um, okay, I hear I'm is looking good at stuff. this one now. Yeah, uh, if you haven't seen Bay of Blood, Bay of Blood is very like important to the slasher so. genre. Uh, Bay of Blood is great. I think Bay of Blood is really, really fun, and um, it, it was a huge influence on Friday the Thirteenth because it is it is like a bunch of teens by a lake getting killed for part of it, and like um, okay, some yeah, it's the, like nineteen seventy one. So yeah, a lot of the kills were uh, copied directly for Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Like they just they literally just stole some of the some of the kills from that. Um, mm. But yeah, very fun movie. Uh, so I think he's like an important figure in horror, and it's like maybe look, maybe his status as like a legend and all that stuff. Maybe it does make me kind of like view this movie as more than it is. But I do think this movie is really fascinating. Um, to get into the plot, it's pretty simple. Uh, Kurt Menlif, played by Christopher Lee, 
He is a, like, ruthless nobleman, comes from this family that owns this castle, um, and is very rich. I just want to point out, he's, like, 40, 41 when they're making this movie. But they talk about him as if he's, like, yeah, like, you know, early 20s or something. Yeah, that's true. But it's just amazing to me to think, like, in your 40s, in the 60s, and, like, just the, the, you know, the how long his career ended up going. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he was already a big star at this point. He had played Dracula a few times. So, like, he's a well-known actor. Um, and, but, but yeah, even still, like, the greatest moments of his career are still yet to come. Like, you know, he's going to continue for, for decades and decades after this. It's pretty great. Is, I'm assuming Saruman is pretty much going to be what he's remembered for? That one, I think that and Dracula, Yeah. Yeah, sure. And Dracula too. I think it was a big thing at the time. I feel like he got away from it pretty well. Like he managed to like kind of eclipse Dracula. Uh, you know, he hated being typecast because of that. Mm-hmm. But then nowadays, people are going back and appreciating Dracula again. I think now that those movies are like widely available, um, right? So I, it's I think, easier to see things now, right? Yeah. So I think those two. I think Dracula and and Saruman for sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm excuse me. I also meant the geneticist in Gremlins too. Oh yes, that's of probably what will be his number one. Yeah. Oh, you know, oh, um, oh, Count Dooku as well. Oscar... So it's, look, in reality, it's Count Dooku and Saruman. But yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true too. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Always forget about the Dooku. Of course, yes. Uh, anyway, I I think he's good in this movie. Um, he's not in it a whole lot, but like when he is in it, he's making a real impact. So he comes back after being sort of exiled by the family because he seduced um the daughter of georgia who i think is the their aunt if i remember correctly uh, i don't i couldn't determine a lot of relationships in this movie at some point there's the cousin yeah that's like, the names and relationships i was like uh, whatever kurt was the only one i really got but um it seemed like she was the servant something right? like that and yeah that her daughter was just you know servant girl and he yeah seduced her kind of discarded her and she killed herself right with the particular dagger that is now in a glass case like the rose from beauty and the beast yeah this was before beauty and the beast after uh it's it's very this is after like the truffaut one okay yeah it's to be after i think that's what 40s so they did the truffaut movie but it could be wrong i guess that makes sense um but it looks it looks very it's a, I think it's a gothic sort of staple. It's like oh this like object of like either passion or desire or murder or something like we're gonna like a Maltese it. Falcon. You could yes, say exactly. Um, so uh, yeah, Georgia is crying over this dagger, being like you know uh, I I swear I'm gonna see it plunged into his neck the same way it was plunged into hers, right? And uh, I think it's Katya is like comforting her. Uh, when suddenly it's announced that Kurt is returning. And so he comes back, and everyone's like, hey, man, what the fuck are you doing here? And he's like, I've come to get my land and titles back. You know, because, like, they're well, rightfully no, mine. Well, he, no, he comes back to congratulate his brother. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Christian was just now, married. Yeah. yeah, getting married to his ex-fiance. To Novenka. And then, and then he says his second thing is to ask for his father's forgiveness. But it is all in the you know in stride to try to get his land titles yeah inheritance 
I do just find the energy of this movie very funny at times, where like, he just enters and he's just like, hi, everybody, congrats, brother. And everyone's like, fuck you. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, I got, got a great lineup. I've never had a warmer welcome. Oh, yes. Yeah, I love it. Um, so he, uh, yeah, his former fling, Navenka, she is now married to Christian. She is not happy about it. She does a good job of kind of like brooding in this movie, being like clearly she's unhappy and conflicted about all this. Um, are they married or are they to be married? They they are married, yeah. Okay. okay. So there's some cucking going on here in a moment. So it makes it even more illicit when, you know, she does eventually yeah. betray him. Yeah. I think all the beach shots in this look pretty good. I think this movie looks great in general. Um, but the beach shots have a weird sort of like surrealness to them. I think some of it partly because like they're maybe shot day for night or something, but like mm. they just they look interesting. Um, so she's out on the beach, and he he rides up, and he's just like you know, uh, I remember how you used to like it. Yes, exactly. And he's <laughs> pretty basically much, yeah. just starts whipping the shit out of her with his riding crop, and he's like, "Oh, you still love violence," and then she is into it. Like that mm-hmm. is the other thing with this movie is that I feel like. Uh, what is her name again? Um, Delia Lavi is Navenka. Okay. Yeah, she she is mostly just kind of moaning for parts of this movie, like moaning in pleasure as she's getting whipped and like getting these like pretty gnarly looking cuts on her back. You know, it's not like super gory or anything, but like the scarring work is pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. And then just the way that she like turns her head and looks at him as she's like in this state, you're like. Those are those are some passionate eyes there. Like those are whoa. some fuck me eyes. Like she's ready. Well, see, for I was trying to be point. a little more delicate, but yes, absolutely. No, that's how it is. It's like, <laughs> oh, you hurt me uh, yeah. emotionally, physically, and that makes me open up to you. This is pretty much a uh, a very weird reading on human relationships and sexuality. Yes. I'm positive that there are people out there like this, but it is almost almost problematic. Like you. You know you shouldn't, or you know that it's yeah. not good for you, but you're I, still doing I, I, it. I think especially at this time, like, it, it's a subject that, who? how many other movies in 1963 are talking about, like, sex and pain in conjunction with each other this way, you know? Like, um, well, there's, you know, 2001, A Space Odyssey. A couple years before, got... right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's crazy. It just—it feels like it doesn't feel like oh, this is a groundbreaking moment that changed cinema forever. I think it's just notable that like it's this early on and like this—that's—that's what this movie is discussing. So yeah, they fuck on the beach. They like he gets down there and they start making out in the sand. I, I really like that shot too. Like they're kind of in the foreground and like the ocean in the back. It's very romantic. And that's the other thing. I think the score really does a lot of work to like sell. A genuine connection between them maybe one built yeah. on some on a pretty fucked up dynamic but like yeah. this is like passionate for the both of them uh so, so i guess here's I, i'll give my main complaint here then sure. i think it's just a little too melodramatic it feels like a soap opera like yeah. this is what my grandmother would love to watch yeah i could feel it like, you look, know i think that's perfectly 2 PM, valid yeah. cbs weekday like this is the kind of thing um, it might reminded me of the Thornbirds as well. Did you ever see that or know? No, of it? I don't think I know what that it's is. It's like a a a book uh, that got turned into a mini series of a priest who moves to Australia and meets like this family, and he meets 
Maggie, I think was her name, at like nine or ten, and they like connect, and then it's like years, you know, a decade spanning story where they eventually fuck, and he's like going against his priestly. Is is that uh, is this where the name Thornberries comes from? Is that where they got that from? Maybe it's got to. Is it Richard Chamberlain? I think it's okay. like a big big actor. Yeah. I see what you mean. It, it, this could be remade as like a BBC miniseries, like, and you know, you could treat it like Sense and Sensibility depression or Barbie something. Watches. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like, uh, it, yeah, it is like a Pride and Prejudice type of thing where it's it's romance and melodrama and yeah, 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 yeah. I get you, but it has a sleazy Italian vibe kind of thrown <laughs> on top of it too, which makes it for you know cool for dudes. <laughs> uh yeah so they have sex um kurt starts like <laughs> kurt starts sneaking around the kurt's, castle at kurt's night. worried about his inheritance for his yeah. mojo dojo casa house exactly <laughs> mojo dojo casa castle yeah uh <laughs> so there's a secret passage uh, into his father's room via the fireplace and he comes in and he's like hey dad you used to like it when i used to sneak in here which hey what does that imply a little weird yeah a little weird what is going on there? Um, <laughs> well, I come in to say goodnight to you. Yeah, exactly. And his dad is just like, fuck you. Like, you know, uh, I do forgive you, though. Like, and, you know, basically says, like, yeah, you got my forgiveness. Like, shut up. You know, leave me alone. Your brother's going to inherit everything. Like, you forfeited I'm it. I'm dying. <laughs> leave yes, me alone. Exactly. Um, he goes back into his room, like, after a little bit more sneaking around. And he gets, like, attacked by a curtain is what it looks like. Well, yeah, yeah, that is weird. Yeah. But they, uh, they've already said uh, it's not Natasha. Nikin, I don't even know. Uh, Navenka. Navenka has hasn't come back and is missing. Everyone's yeah. looking for him for her, and he's just kind of like, oh, oh, I have this whip. Oh, I found it outside. Mm, I oh. found it outside, and yeah, then yeah. just goes to bed. Right, and then is attacked. Yes, yeah, so. yes. He gets his throat slashed. Um, if this was made just a couple years later, this be a far more gory death. Um, you know, this is still in the burgeoning days of, of violence in Italian movies. This is a year before Mario Bava did Blood and Black Lace, which is also a fantastic movie. Um, and also, like, helped lay the groundwork for slashers and, and the, you know, the burgeoning giallo genre. And that movie, like, it's not incredibly gory, but it is way more, like, you know, uh, I would say, like, it is way more violent than this is. And Happy Border Killed. Um, and if you haven't seen Blood and Black Lace, great movie. Uh, also, and one of the one of the best looking movies ever made. The way that movie is, mm-hmm. is shot and colored is absolutely mind blowing. Um, so anyway, he gets he gets his throat slashed uh, around the same time. Lasat finds Navenka on the beach, right? Uh, or like the next morning, I think. And then they go into uh, Kurt's room and find his corpse. <laughs> uh, almost immediately, we cut to his funeral. Uh, after George's mother, of course, is like, you know, oh, that's the same knife that that killed Tanya, and he's like, and she's like, my daughter. I had the thought too um, that she is also a character that's being haunted. Talking about this as a ghost movie, like right. the, mem- the memory of the daughter is lingering and still dominating her life too, to the point where she just like stands around the dagger crying. Like that's part of what this movie is about is like these unresolved like feelings of people lingering after their death that causes them to not actually leave you that's what a haunting is right and in, in kind of like in frighteners you know life is yeah. for the living like stop you know mourning these things that you cannot change and you have to move forward yeah exactly yeah 
which leads me to a question, Murph. Who would you haunt if you were a ghost? Is there a person uh, or a place? Or a place. Is there a place you would haunt? Well, I I think a movie theater would be very apt for, for us. I mean, yeah. right now, if it was like I'm hit by a bus, <laughs> I'm haunting Henry Kissinger until that motherfucker <laughs> dies. I don't care. That guy is over 100. He has to go soon. If I die before Henry Kissinger, I would be yeah. so fucking pissed off. <laughs> fucking Pee-wee leaves this mortal plane and we still have Henry Kissinger. Yeah. What the hell, man? What the fuck is going on there? There is you. no God or justice in this world. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a, a haunting that you would like to oh, be part boy. of? Uh, oh, man. You know, I asked that question. It was a very spur-of-the-moment thing, but like you know, I, I'd want to haunt, like, I don't know. Man's the, Chinese the, Theater? The secret orgy room in the White House. Just to, like, oh, you know, to right, be on a fly in the right. wall where, like, where where all the real decisions are probably made. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. You're doing you, coke off, on, off of, you know, a prostitute's ass. Yes. Ex yeah, signing yeah. bills and, you know, negotiating <laughs> health care for millions of Americans. Yeah, geez. Uh yeah, with the things you would see, exactly. Um, so, uh, <laughs> it's like right. eyes wide shut every night. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and it's like, uh, yeah, you know uh, that uh, travel bill, you know that like the, the those tariffs. Uh, it's just like very casual conversations over like the most heinous sexual shit you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Everyone's wearing like pig masks, mm -hmm. like like saw <laughs> basically. All right. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, we cut to the funeral after the body is found. I really like the way this funeral is done. There's something about it is very creepy to me. It's a great look for the priest. He's got that long black beard and like the kind of like weird square hat that they like wear sometimes. Yeah, no score. Yes, and it uh, they they do a good job with like the sound design of you hear the scraping of the lid yeah. as they're taking it on and off, which is uh you know. It's very impactful, like, you feel that that thud of, you know, it closing, like, well, there goes yeah, that body. There's something interesting about it, I just, like, I don't know, I find with this movie, the fact that it is a little slow and a little, like, meandering, like, even in this funeral scene, like, it goes on for, like, a little longer than it feels like it should, but I, I feel like it gives me time to kind of just, like, think as I'm watching it. And I was just thinking, like, it is it is weird that as humans, we've, like, built out this entire, uh, like, you know, procedure for dealing with dead people. It's like, mm. we've given them this power with these rituals, you know, this importance. It's like, oh, we have to, like, put them in a box, have to put them in the ground, have to say words and throw dirt on it and, like, invoke this deity to, like, be like, hey, let the spirit rest. Like, we put so much like importance on these rituals and it's like what happened in our past that like in humans past where we decided we needed to do this you know um, yeah it, it is i thought it was really interesting watching it this time i was just like you know there's all this like you know like pomp and circumstance for funerals and death and like it is really right. interesting is it to prevent hauntings is that yeah. just to like celebrate the life or are we trying to give it a final 
resting right. place to be like, all right, you can leave us alone now. Thank and you. then with somebody appreciated like, you. Yeah. yeah. And then with somebody like Kurt in this movie who was so disliked and like, you know, basically like everyone thought him was evil. It's like basically asking, like begging him, like, don't come back to haunt us. You know, like, right. It's, yeah. it's basically the scene in The Frighteners with Ray's funeral. And, right, yeah. You know, the ghostly Kurt is there and it's like, it's a goddamn <laughs> tragedy. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Um, I would have loved if he was like, there's a, you just, we should go back and like CGI in like Spectre Christopher Lee in, a, in this, like The <laughs> we Frighteners. Just, we have Michael J. Fox in his trench coat just like yeah. walk in the background of it mm-hmm. and just kind of stand there for a minute. He's talking yeah. to someone you don't see. Yeah. <laughs> Christopher Lee was in the was in the Frighteners with a ghost whip, and he's like, you know, whipping the the Grim Reaper and shit. Would have been great. What if instead of Arlie Ermy, it was yeah. Christopher Lee <laughs> doing some kind yeah. of uh, like Dracula motif? Or oh yes. What would, what, what oh. would he be doing? That'd be great. Dracula, try to think like Wicker Man. If he's like, if he's running around in the dress and stuff, and the Wicker Man and the makeup, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so the funeral, yeah, great scene. I really like that. Uh, we then pretty like pretty quickly we get to the scene where, uh, oh yeah, yeah. So Kurt, like, uh, I'm over the place. Christian, he goes to his father, and it's just like, hey, dad, I'm not judging you, but you know, only you and Kurt were in the castle when he was killed, like. Come on, man, mm-hmm. be be straight with me. And the dad's like, "No, I, I, I dare you accuse me of this, right?" Um, I do like that. That's, I would say, this is part of the haunting. Is this the discord that like Kurt sows within the family? You know, even though he's gone, he's still dredging up all this drama between. Because we have a mystery. Yes, we've you know we don't know who is an actual murderer now. Right. Yeah. It's almost it's... like murder on the Orient Express. Like somebody's everybody had a reason. Yeah. But who exactly. did it? Um, and it just kind of adds like this layer of like he was so terrible to everybody that like even even getting murdered like is pissing everyone off. It's like you fucking mm. asshole! Like you're gonna make you're gonna make me suspect my father of murder. And then later on, like Christian's like talking to Cody of like you loved him, didn't you? You know, um, it, he's just yeah. Still that's manages. something we should get into. Yeah. It's, well, is that that's Navinka in like a second? And them were in a relationship, and then Christian right. and. What's her name? Claudia? Ka- uh, Katia. Katia. Who is his, who is his yeah. cousin? Yeah. Well, back then you didn't have a lot of options, Greg. Good, right. good, good, Greg. Yes. You know, oh, thank you. Had you. To, <laughs> you, had to, you had to choose what was available, but uh, they were lovers and upset that they weren't going to be together. So there's there's yeah. a lot of motivation throughout all of these people. Right. And, like, you, you get the sense that Christian's even upset that, like, he had to marry Navenka because he says, like, you know, hey, Dad, like, I did what you said. Like, I married the girl that was promised to him, even though I didn't want to. Like, you know, uh, you can is be honest with me here. because she's rich or something? Again, this yeah, I is think so. rich people problems. Yes. Continuously. Exactly. Uh, so this is where I like this scene a lot, where Navenka wakes, wakes up in the middle of the night hearing the, hearing the ghostly whip noise. When you have nothing to work for, like, of course you're going to be like, oh, it's a ghost. <laughs> but when you're tired, you've been turning the fields all day. You don't mm-hmm. give a shit. You're like, just, you don't have time. I have to go to sleep. Right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, she wakes up in the middle of the night hearing a whip noise. Um, there's a really good tense moment of she's walking up to the door where the, the sound is emanating. And like, um, it reminded me of Inferno, which again, he partly directed. He could have directed this moment for all I know. But in Inferno, when they're in the apartment and the power keeps going out, 
and the guy goes to like investigate and then the girl has to follow him down that hallway and it's a very slow like pov shot just going towards the door right right. like going towards the darkness where you know something is going to happen like that that tension of like just like there's a bad thing at the end of the hallway we as the audience are moving towards it with the camera very slowly you know i just think that's a really like nice and simple way to build out tension in these movies um, and I like it here. When you, you keep hearing the whip noise, and you're going down there, and like, okay, what are we gonna see when we get there? You know, it's cool. I think this is the one where it ends with the window opening, and yeah, it's like a branch, right? which is very funny. That is hilarious. It looks really good, though. It does. Like, it looks yeah. realistic of the fact of like, oh, I'm sure a very thin branch would have that kind of you know yeah. physicality as it's doing that in I, the wind i'm sure it was mario bava on the other side like whipping it against against like the set wall or something you know like yeah, yeah but it looks great i think it's really cool and then just like we get some crazy like subjective camera zooms on the furniture and everything and then i like, start mm-hmm. zooming in on on Navanka too as she's like having a weird episode um and then she kind of just goes down to play piano and the music is gorgeous and there's a really cool like 360 shot going around the room which is neat um, and it ends with the camera going like up to show the full like set from from above, which I think is really cool. That's just great camera work in this movie. Um, yeah, there is. Yeah, uh, I just like I will like. There's nothing nothing plot plot related to, you know to say about any of that, but I just think it's it's neat uh, from, a, from a technical standpoint. Lasat the servant, he says he saw a shadow and a light in the chapel, and of course Christian's like, "Hey, you're fucking crazy. Shut up." Um, well, I like with everything <laughs> from now on, it's like they say, oh, this ghostly thing happens and then they immediately like, well, this is probably what it was. It's probably yeah. just the reflection of the moon. Right. And you're, yeah, you're drunk. It's, it's swamp gas. Yeah. Shut it. Get, you know, <laughs> right. Go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weather balloon. Jesus Christ. Get over it. Uh, there's a crash of lightning and Nevenka turns her head to see Kurt outside in the rain. Really good shot there. Um, like the the lightning, like light, like illuminating his face as the water comes down. It's cool. Very pale. I love the um, the bandage that they have on his neck yeah. and like you know the red side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, she so she was freaking out, of course. But they're like, hey, hey, just go to bed, go to bed. Uh, there's a really good shot again of her like looking out the window that's, at the moon. Yeah, I feel like even up till the '60s and beyond, that they, they that's what they said to women. Shut like, up and go oh, to you're bed. hysterical. Yeah. Just go to bed. Go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> uh so there's a really interesting fade from that into like the hair on her pillow which i thought that was kind of cool there's a weird editing choice there um and you pan over to just a shot of like her lit eyes which uh i thought was a kind of a weird freaky image um you get to hear footsteps outside her door and then it's this is all just kind of like classic like haunted house stuff to me which i really thought is think is fun and that i think I enjoy so you got like the you know oh your door handle very slowly turning as somebody enters your room you know like it's it's just like a very classic sort of creepy to me uh so you know the door opens and kurt walks in with a whip he's got filthy boots because he was buried in a grave you know yeah he yeah had to claw really out like of that. the grave right yeah exactly um so uh he comes in and uh, we he disappears after after a second. She freaks out and then he's gone suddenly. But then, one of my favorite shots of the movie, his fucking like hand appears out of the darkness, coming at the camera. Uh, really, really good stuff there. 
he kind of like touches her at f- sensually at first, but then like violently rips her clothes like open, which I, I thought again for 1963 like fairly scandalous. Shocking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, bare so, skin, ooh, <laughs> ankles, ooh. Uh, <laughs> uh, she call. She starts screaming. Christian comes running in. There's no evidence, no footprints or anything, right? She uh, saw she's like she's been whipped though. Like that's one of the things that's happening. And I believe cr- isn't this the case where it is? It is she is having an orgasm as it's happening. I don't think the whipping has happened yet. I think her clothes were just okay. ripped at this point. Yeah. Um. She's like, oh, because he's like, oh, he did this, like you know, the ripped clothes. Right. Yeah. Um. No evidence. So no evidence of him. The next day. Uh, she goes to see Kurt's coffin and has an auditory flashback of the whip, you know. Um, and then she sees more muddy footprints coming from the coffin going into the crypt. Uh, there's a great 360 shot when she goes down there. That, like, she go, It spins around showing the entirety of that basement area, which very, made me think of, again, Sam Raimi with the Evil Dead when Ash goes into the basement and you get that cool yeah. 360 shot. Maybe he took it from Baba. Could, could be, honestly. I would not be surprised. Um, the Vanka gets gets caught by Lasat down there, and he's like, "Oh yeah, like I was, you know, it's only me in here. It's coming down to find you. I heard some noises." Um, and then she goes back and she overhears uh, Christian and Katya talking, and Christian's telling Katya he still loves her. He basically he's like, "I don't want to be married to Navanka, right?" Um, and it's like this whole situation sucks, and like uh, I still I still love you, but we can't be together, sort of a thing. Um, once well, again, Greg, we've all been there with our cousins, right? <laughs> was, no, is that just me from the south? Okay, I I get it. Uh, uh she's back in her room and she sees Kurt's face again in the mirror. Uh, he he shows up. They have a staring contest for a second. Uh, she raises some scissors to him, but he just takes them away, and she kind of like cowers in the corner. She does a really good job here with her with the performance, like just like the the fear on her face, like that disbelief at this happening and then this is where he starts whipping the shit out of her again and this is like yeah her performance here is this is the orgasmic scene this is wild um get the wounds appearing on her back and he starts yelling probably faking it you know yeah she starts uh yelling out to her (laughs) oh (laughs) jeez i got a perfectly timed text like i didn't really absorb that until for a second (laughs) Yeah, you know, you fake it, as they all do. Ugh. Right, um, of course. It's so he starts, he starts yelling out, call him, call him and tell him you've always been mine. Which, that to me is like, ooh boy, that's like, that's some real, like, getting off on the cooking sort of thing, you know? Uh, and I feel if if it is a real ghostly spirit, that would be a, a really good, um, like, final thing that you want. Yeah. Like, to, again, to haunt your brother in the sense of like... I, hey, that woman that says she loves you is actually mine. Has always been mine. Will always be mine. Yes, exactly. That is like, even even though you don't want her, you know, like yes. that that even yes. adds another layer to it of like, hey, you don't even you don't even want her, but she's she's supposed to be yours, but she's mine. Like it's a weird possessive thing that like I do. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Thank um, God I don't have a brother. You know. <laughs> She asks, uh, why, you know, why you're doing this? And he says, I've come back for you and to get my revenge on all those who hate me. So this is what, this is, I'm a romantic guy, I think, at heart. 
And look, is this relationship very problematic? Absolutely. But just the idea of somebody coming back from beyond death, it's the same thing with with Bram Stoker's Dracula. I find it very like touching and romantic. I have traveled oceans of time. Yes, exactly. Um, And just the idea that like somebody loves you or cares about your wants you so much that death cannot stop them, that they're going to, they're going to reach from beyond to grave to like, you know, establish their love for you. Even if it is with the fucking ghost whip, like, uh, you know, there's something to that. Yeah. Right. Um, she's gonna so, have her ghost ride the whip. We're <laughs> gonna have that in there somewhere. It had to. Had oh, to I be. put it. I put it in my my letterbox review. I think the second one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you had to, yeah. So you you have to. Uh, so there's a really great close up on his face after he says that. Um, it's like his face. Like it's a black void, like kind of half lit, and it's in this like blue light. And then he moves forward, it goes to black for a second, and then it emerges and it's red. Like, it makes a really cool color change in that, like, couple seconds there. Um, and this is what, I think this might be Mario Baba's first color movie. And, you know, they oh, do it pretty okay. well. And he, he doesn't, yeah. like, he, he gets, he really nails it with Blood and Black Lace. That's, like, his visual masterpiece. But this one is, like, on the way there. Um, so, we have a sudden cut to the Count's dead body in bed. Right, like you know, and we learned he was cut by the same, killed by the same dagger. Um, and this Christian... is one of those things like I kind of you know zoned out for two seconds, and then yeah. I was like, oh shit, did I miss a murder? But it's like, no, you just you don't even it's, really have. It's that. really sudden. Yeah, yeah, it's off screen. Basically, Christian, uh, Christian has a really great line here. He says, um, "Someone will pay for this, father, be it man or ghost. I promise you." Uh, we have some cool music as Christian, like he's standing out on the beach, and to kind of just like take it in, you know, the situation. I guess uh, it's a nice little like mood setting moment. Um, later on, Georgia and Katya are arguing over the knife. Georgia says she found it under Katya's bed, right? And she's like, you know, hey, like I I feel like I like this part too. It's the same thing with the father um, when Christian's like saying like, hey, did you kill Kurt? It's like, hey, look nobody's mad at you if you murdered somebody, but just please be honest <laughs> with me. Like, did you kill this person? We and, all wanted it to happen. Yeah, exactly. It's like, look, I get it. I would have done it in two, honestly. But, like, did you do this? Um, again, more of just Kurt sowing discord from beyond death. Everyone starts accusing, like, uh, each other of killing Kurt and the Count. So Christian is accusing Katya of always loving Kurt. And she's like, no, I hated him. Like, you're insane. Right, so this was a good scene for her. Yeah, where totally. she's like running up the stairs, like yeah. I, I hated him. I hate him. I really like so this moment. The sta- I like this. This this is shot in a real castle, and it looks great. I think it's a really nice location. Um, and yeah, you have some cool setups like that where she's running up the stairs as she's yelling. Yeah, uh, they follow the footprints. They see more muddy footprints. Uh, they think someone is carried off in the Vanka, right? Because like she's at the end of the footprints, basically. Um, Christian sees movement in the crypt. He and Lasat go there. Uh, he goes under to find Lasat. Lasat's like, I saw somebody in here. And it's like, I came to investigate. So the movie is trying to throw you off. Like, okay, who is planting the footprints? Who is the killer? Like, is it Lasat? Is it Christian? The is first it Katya? Viewing, I thought Christian was going to be like the ultimate villain of right. it. And that, you know, it was going to be him versus his ghostly brother. Yeah, but, which it kind of is a little no. bit, but, you yeah. know. 
Yeah, I do think the mo- this is where the movie starts to drag, is especially drag, is when Christian kind of takes over as the main character. Um, so I, I think he's a pretty bland guy, and like I I like him as like the the you know the one being cucked and like getting the revenge taken <laughs> sure. out upon. But as sure. like the guy we're following, like he's not really interesting at all, and like the he's like the I think he's a weakest actor too. Have you listened to the Blank Check Oppenheimer podcast oh, yes. yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole thing about Jason Clark and yeah. the cuck. And he was like, oh, my well, God. wait, hold on. How Am I the cuck in this situation? Yes. No, and, no. You're the one doing the cucking. And who was I married to? Like, that is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's being, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it helps you, you can imagine it, him cucking you. <laughs> uh, I thought that was a great episode. I, I really liked it. I thought that... that I, <sighs> I it was very vocal about my dislike for Oppenheimer last week, but like honestly, the more I think about it, it's like I gotta see it again. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. And unlike with Avatar two and and my opinion with their Matrix Revolutions podcast, it doesn't sound like they're trying to convince themselves that they like it. Right. Exactly. Oh man, I felt that big time with Avatar two, but that might just be like I felt that with Matrix, but I, that's funny. Yeah, you yeah. know. The the weird dichotomy of of podcast partners. Yeah, no, they 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 straight up did like were convincing me on Oppenheimer by the end. I was like, "Fuck, man, that's good. That's really smart." Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I was like, "I gotta watch it again." But uh, so I really like the way this scene is shot, though, with with him and Lasat because it's very dark, but somehow the only kind of the only thing you could see on Christian's face are his eyes. They're very dim. But, like, there was something about, like, they, they were just picking up enough light so that you could, like, see his eyes as he's kind of, like, talking to Lasat. Like, I, I don't thought it was really good. Uh, uh, very interesting use of, like, low lighting in this, I thought. Um, which I think is partly because it's low budget and just also just for atmosphere. Uh, well, I'm so, sure shooting in a real castle, it's kind of hard yeah. to get this, necessary voltage. This part to me, too, is also the one moment of where it's almost in, in, in unexplainable. If the entire thing is, hey, there's no ghosts, it's all, you know, we find out, look, it's Katya doing all of this. Sorry, spoilers for a couple minutes from now. But <laughs> they hear uh, Kurt's laugh, like coming, like echoing throughout the entire tomb. I, uh, that's, it's still possible with her guilt of murdering Kurt, that she's been driven crazy and she is able to replicate his laugh you think it's like a like the exorcist type of thing where the voice changes like you know she's like yeah pretty she's much in such a psychological mind like a weird psychological mindset where the fact that she's able to like emulate him yeah that could yeah. be it yeah maybe but i find i find it very fun and creepy um the laugh coming throughout the, coming through the tomb. it's you know and it's the same thing with like the the muddy boots it's yeah like oh they're his boots but we don't know how big the foot is in the boots. Right, I'm right. sure there's, like, a CSI <laughs> episode about that. Like, well, it's a size 12 boot, but the wearer was only a size 10. You could so see from... now we're gonna look at this person we overlooked earlier in the you episode. You could see from the from the depth of the footprints in the mud, this person wasn't as heavy as the person with a size 12 boot wooden plot. Yeah. 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 So, uh... Victorian CSI... <laughs> there was like the alchemist or god what were they called there's a book that's that it's like daniel Bruhl. oh who was the guy that was dracula and dracula untold luke evans yes that's yeah is that his name and yep. then um 
what's the blondie in dracula untold no 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 she's just in like uh is it dakota i think it's dakota fanning okay it was like a tnt show based off a book of like early forensic scientists yeah oh interesting that's cool uh i'd I'd watch that that sounds good um they investigate the crypt and find Ivanka inside a secret passage behind the 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 crypt or behind like his tombstone, right? Um, it's not maybe it's not. I think it's where maybe it's where you put the coffin. Anyway, uh, when Christian and Katya are talking, there's a neat shot like from behind a vase or something. There's like a vase of flowers on the table, and like the camera like weirdly like turns to be to have like the the vase in the foreground. Not quite sure why it does that. Maybe it's to imply they're being watched by somebody or, that's some, or something. I don't know. But it's cool. Uh, Christian thinks Kurt is still alive. He says there's no other explanation for it. And he's like, at one point, I even suspected myself of this. Which, again, you know. A little odd. The weird effect, though, that, that this is all having on, on, on Christian's brain. Like, the, the, we, the weird things a ghost can do to your mind. You know, where it's like, well... What's the explanation here? That he actually is a ghost or that I'm like blacking out and like acting out these things, you know, like it's kind of interesting. Um, they, it is more logical. Yeah. Uh, there's a great shot of Kurt's boots walking through the halls while the dirt falling off of them. Uh, we, Katya wakes up in fright thinking someone is in her room. Uh, at around this time, Christian and Lasat are going to Kurt's coffin. They're like, hey, we're, we're putting an end to this. We're going to destroy the, his remains. Uh, Kurt appears to Navanka again. He tells her it's the last time he'll see her, and that he's doing this because she belongs to him. And she's like, "I hate you! I hate you!" During all this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, uh, a some... little odd because, like, when they remove the lid of the coffin, the body is like decomposed. We don't really have any good idea of how long it's been since yeah. his death, but it's like <laughs> the body is like falling apart, basically. Yes. And it's and very like, well, weird. we can't he's tell, like, but it's it's got his clothes on. He's just like a, sure. yeah, he's like a dirty skeleton at this point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, with a whip in the coffin. Yes, he was buried with his riding whip. Yeah. Uh, again, as once again, do. as Christopher Lee is talking, he's got the great colored lighting on his face. It's very kind of trippy. He says, "Because you belong to me, only to me. We've got to go away from here forever, right now." Uh, Kurt does say he, that she loves him. He doesn't say he loves her, right? Another weird dynamic of this relationship. Um, yeah. And uh, she says, I hate you. He kind of like just sticks his hand in her mouth, which is a, a, struck me as a weird sensual thing, right? And it seems like she starts like sucking on his fingers. <laughs> um, we get the rotting corpse in the coffin. Christian starts to burn the body with oil from a lamp. Uh, they hear his laugh yet again. We see, like, this part is crazy. So, like, the the coffin is, like, at the bottom of the screen. The fire's going. They're hearing the laugh, which, again, kind of unexplainable, especially since Katya, or uh, Devenka is in her room at this point. Um, or maybe she's on her way down there at the moment. I don't know. But the, the body is kind of, like, twisting and shit because of the fire. And you see, like, his feet, like, twisting in the coffin. Like, yeah. on the bottom of the screen. It's a, it's a pretty cool moment. It seemed um, like the like the coffin was on something and yes. starts burning and it kind of like yeah it's like sinking in the middle yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, Christian goes to confront uh, who he thinks is Kurt in the castle, but ends up just being boots at a at a chair. <laughs> um, 
I thought that was very funny. Uh, Venko just pops out of the darkness with with a, a dagger, with the dagger, and she attacks him, but then runs off when he kind of like defends himself. Well, she attacks him, and she's almost in a like fugue state. She's like yes. hissing yeah. at him. We had a really almost. good performance at this moment from her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get cut back to the body melt, the corpse melting in the coffin, which is a really cool shot. I really like that. That looks awesome. Shots of the whip burning as well. Yes. Um, the Vanka goes down to see Kurt again. He's there in in the crypt. She finally admits she does love him. Uh, but as, as she's doing this, she takes the the dagger and she like puts it to his back. Uh, Christian and Lasak come up and they're behind a gate. They can't get through. They see her holding nothing with the, just the dagger pointed at herself, and she yep. stabs herself in the chest. Um, so they run up and basically have the little summary of like you know. Oh, she, it was her the whole time. She thought it, yeah, exactly, yeah. With voiceover, right? Like, it's, it's yes. kind of, I don't know. They'll still do that kind of thing in today's movies, but I feel like that was a big 60s thing of like, oh, we're going to have this whole movie. Oh, we need like 30 seconds of voiceover to like yeah. tell you what actually happened in the movie. Because we're just we're not going to explain it, really. Hey, this is post Psycho, where Psycho did, did that. You know, not the voiceover, but like true. that big explanation at the end. So we have a final shot. The whip is burning in the coffin, and it's like it's moving around because it's you know shrinking or whatever because of the fire. But it does it think of like oh the whip is moving on its own. It, the, maybe Kurt is still in there. Maybe somewhere. Kurt's spirit is you know whipping in the afterlife. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so anyway, that's the whip of the body. I really, I really like this movie. I think that it's, like, you have these movies that are just, like, these basic, I'm gonna roll into, let's, okay, before I get into that. What are we gonna rate it out of? Uh, muddy boots. I keep wanting to say bloody, but no, muddy boots. Muddy ghost boots, ghost whips. Uh, you know, uh. We could rate it out of bodies. (laughs) <laughs> um hmm square priest hats whatever those hats are that they wear <laughs> you know i'm not gonna argue that one a square priest hats why not um yeah so i'm gonna go first as the hosts i i do okay i like this movie a lot you have these movies that are just like it's something like like the old dark house you know from like the 30s universal movie it's just like a basic horror movie and i don't mean basic in a derogatory sense at all i just mean you got like all the hallmarks of what you would think of in the day and age of like ooh, a creepy horror movie you got an old dark castle you got a ghost you got like you know a rich aristocrats fighting over money you know like it's just like you have all these basic things like it's like a weird it's almost like a scooby-doo episode at times you know with how <laughs> like sort of like basic the imagery is um you know, Scooby and the gang go to the BDSM castle. Exa- yeah, exactly. You got like a creepy ghost hand emerging <laughs> from the darkness. Like, you know, the- Shaggy just finds like the gimp mask and like yeah. puts it on <laughs> randomly. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I can't Kurt- get my giant sandwich in. I have to unzip the mouth. To Kurt-, Kurt whips make the glasses work. off of Velma's face. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> starts eyeing her as she's like bending down, <laughs> oh, trying to find them on the ground. 
<laughs> God. Um, ooh, yikes. Uh, so, uh, zoinks. Zo- yeah, yes, sorry, thank you, zoinks. Uh, you just have, like, I-, I don't know, you can't get more of a classic gothic haunting story to me. Like, it's it's just like it hits all these, like, pleasure centers in my brain of, like, yep, this is what I want from a gothic ghost story. You got melodrama, you got romance that is, like, feels genuine to me. You have a weird undercurrent, or almost, honestly, overcurrent of, like, intense taboo sexuality with BDSM, especially for 1963. Like, it's, you know, these ghost and gothic love stories, they're always a little more, like, I think, sexual in nature than people tend to kind of, like, think of with them. You know, it's like, oh, you're being haunted. What you're actually being haunted by is, like, you know, internal sexual desires that you're externalizing via hallucinations. Like, this, this story is one of a woman who gets fucked so good after being whipped that when the guy dies, because she kills him because of a complicated relationship with him, she just can't get over it. She's like, well, he'll never whip and fuck me again, and it is driving me crazy, you know? Like, she wants that, and she has this... So suck. well put. Yeah. <laughs> she, has, he, she has these complicated feelings about wanting it, you know, and about hating him, but also loving him. Like, I think it's a very interesting story that is, like, you know, told pretty crudely, you know, like, it's it's pretty simple dialogue, and it's a short, breezy movie that is clearly low budget, and, like, you know, I think the acting is pretty good for the most part, but you have some, you know, Kurt, or Christian is not the best actor, and has some pretty lame lines, like, there's a moment where, it's a very funny line, but it's also just kind of, like, weird, he's talking to Katya, it's when, um, he's talking about how he's he still loves her, he's like, yes, we were happy then, no, my life is empty and meaningless, and like the delivery on it is so fucking funny. Um, well, you know, that is an, an issue of an Italian movie. We really yeah. don't know the actual actor's delivery. Exactly. Um, yeah. It could have gone much better with their actual voice. Yeah. So, eh. I don't, I'm at the point, it could just be a Stockholm Syndrome thing, but like the, the, <laughs> the, bad, the bad dubbing in Italian movies doesn't really bother me that much, you know? Like and sometimes it's part of the charm of them. Like it adds a weird, mm-hmm. it adds a weird like dreamlike nature to the movies. I think as I find interesting sometimes. Although I was uh, watching, I had I had it on while I was doing other things, so like I wasn't really watching it that closely. But um, there's this uh, Lucio Fulci western he did called Massacre Time that I was like watching parts of again, and the dubbing in that one in the English version is so fucking bad that like it w- genuinely was very distracting. Anyway. I'm giving it four square presets. I think that for its time, it's it's a little groundbreaking in its depiction of sexuality and like the desires of the main character and it's you know uh, it's showing of BDSM. I think that Kurt is a pretty fascinating character. It's like he's the villain, but it's like yeah, he is kind of being wronged in a few ways, you know, and like um, you know he doesn't exactly do anything that evil. Maybe he. You know, the whipping and uh, sex with Navenka is pretty dicey, but she does like it. I mean, like, look, this, okay, maybe cut that too, because that, no, don't cut that. That sounds, look, this is where the movie gets complicated. It's like, it, it's getting into weird issues of, like, even, like, consent. It's like, because yeah. she likes it, does that make it so that Kurt was right? But she does like it to the degree where that she pines for it. You know, it's it's complicated. I, I like that complication in this movie. It, it is deceptively 
simple in a lot of other ways, you know, but it's like, as you talk about that dynamic more, like it becomes pretty fascinating. Um, so yeah, I think that I'm giving it four. I think I just, it gets me really thinking in, in an interesting way. So I, I think that's all very well put. Um, it is a very fascinating tale on, uh, sex, love, death, having all these things beyond death yeah. as well. Um, it it just is too overly melodramatic for me, where it sure. is like a soap opera. I expect this on, you know, after Days of Their Lives or, or something. Yeah. Um, you know, the afternoon movie. Uh, but it is, it's very beautiful. All of that score and the music is, is quite lovely. The camera work and the lighting, really beautiful. The actors, um, from what we can tell, again, not having their real voice... But they're all beautifully shot, like, and they they look like they belong in this time period in this yeah. movie. Um, and it's 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 just so fucking boring, though. And and I <laughs> I do really like as we've been talking about it, like the idea of you know um, those desires inside of all of us, because I to a degree, and you know, I don't want to speak for you, but like there are times where I'm like I'm severely broken. For what I want, and I cannot explain or get over these things. And like yeah. as much as I wish I could, it it is something that is like central to my being. Even though I'm like I, you know, I'd rather put all of these efforts to good use. I'm still thinking and doing these things that are maybe not the best for me physically, yeah. but emotionally or like you know internally it makes me feel more like myself interesting i guess it is a is a way to put it um again it's rich people problems that we keep coming <laughs> back to uh, you know when you literally are doing nothing besides riding horses you know dressing yourself eating fancy food and drinking fancy wine yeah like you're gonna get a little bored you're gonna be able to think about well what is what is life after death you know it's like the philosopher's problem honestly but yeah. um overall i i enjoy it it's not revolutionary to me even though i understand like for the time being or the time period that it was coming out in it was very risque yeah uh, i i'm i'm going 2.7 weird square priest hats uh i I want to watch more Bava, though, especially yeah. after um, it was Inferno, correct, that he, he yeah. did parts of. And that, like, I really enjoyed the vibe of Inferno. So I would I would like to see some of the other Bava films to, you know, kind of judge. He's one of the greatest vibe directors of all time to me. Like, there's just something, especially when you watch, like, Black Sunday, uh, which... I, I've never loved that one as much as some of others. Like, uh, you know, we have a mutual friend, uh, Blood, that is a huge fan of Black Sunday. Um, and it's just never one that has, like, excited me the way that his others do. But that movie does have some of the greatest atmospheric work of anything ever. Like, you get okay. a little bit in this one of, like, you get the howling wind and, like, outside at all times in this one. But, like, uh, Black Sunday takes that to another level of, like, the wind becomes a character because it's so present on the soundtrack. <laughs> and so, like, okay. it adds so much to all of the all the atmosphere of that movie. It is, it's windswept and rainy and, like, you know, just, like, it feels dark and evil, that whole, you know, part of, parts of that. So, like, 
I, that movie's great. The color work in in Blood and Black Lace is absolutely unreal and needs to be seen to be believed. And then like uh, he he gets into an even sleazier period with like uh, you know Bay of Blood, which is like super gory, super sexualized. Like you know um, like it. I, Christopher Lee talked about how he was a huge fan of working with Baba. You know he loved making this movie. Thought it was one of his finest European movies he made. Um, was very proud of this. And then when he saw Bay of Blood like a decade later, he walked out of the theater and like condemned Baba for the <laughs> level of violence in that movie. It was like, that's absolutely disgusting and abhorrent. And like, you know. He became I, yeah. like really Christian at one point in his life, right? Was this he was during a, he's that a, time period? I think, he's, I think he's always a big Christian guy. Okay. Yeah. And um, it's very funny that he talked about like the level of violence in that, considering like. He was Dracula, and then he he, uh, uh, you know, appeared in a lot of like pretty shoddy like lascivious horror movies. So it's like, you know, a little hypocritical of him. But that's just I think it just goes to show the how groundbreaking the violence was in Bay of Blood. Like the gore effects were really revolutionary in that, and it's like you see a hatchet going into someone's face, and it's like blood shooting out of it, and like Groovy. the face gets like. The face gets like cleaved in half, and you see it buried in there. It's like you, you really see that stuff. It's it's really disturbing. Uh, great movie, very really fun. I will pick it for a category on this podcast <laughs> if I if I find a way to fit it in. Um, it, it's it's good, yeah. So well, anyway, we know you don't yeah. have you know much um, you know scruples about that because in the middle of Aw Ghost, we watched a movie with no ghost. But I'll give it to you. I I get it. <laughs> There's a ghostly laugh, and they're burning his coffin. How do you explain that? Uh, that's true. That's true. Maybe that is the only ghost in it. It's just the laughing. <laughs> just That'd the laughing itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's the it for The Whip and the Body. Uh, we have another movie, a ghostly movie, we're going to talk about next week. Uh, we're going back to sequels really quickly. Ooh. We're going to watch House 2, The Second Story, from 1987, the second of the House Quadrilogy? I think so, yeah. That sounds right. Unless uh, you want to incorporate the Japanese house in it. <laughs> That's like a cousin of, of the series, yeah. 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 Um, oh, I mean, hey, also, that also is a great ghost movie, you know? Um, That's true. So It's it, about the, uh, a haunted house. Yeah, House 2, one of the greatest titles of all time. I can't wait to finally see this. Well, until next week, thank you all for listening. Uh, you Please remember to rate, review, subscribe anywhere you get this podcast. We have email, weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com. Both threads and Instagram at weeklymassacre. You are ganderson19 on Letterboxd. I am Murph and Turf. Uh, so please hit us up. Let us know if you can restore all of my lands and titles and inheritance. I'd appreciate that. <laughs> if you have a special whip for naughty time. Mm. Or if you've ever loved Beyond the Grave. Or I guess had someone love you Beyond the Grave. I think that would probably be the only way. Well, I mean, we if you are a ghost it. and hearing this, like, do contact us in some way, you know? Yeah. 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 If Houdini yeah. is out there and is actually, you know, we could do a seance. Look, I, Maybe I'm that's gonna... what we do for the extra episode this month. I will cut my thumb and just leave a saucer of blood out. If you can write a message to me in my blood on the wall, like, that'd be great. Well, you do that every night, anyways, Greg. So yeah, I, I leave it. I leave, it's like 
<laughs> cookies and milk for Santa. I was just gonna say it's. It, I leave it out for Go Santa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a, hey. That's a movie. Look, I know we're ending this episode right now, but Go Santa. That's something. That is uh, something. What there. was? What was the Slay Night? What was that? Uh, the David the Harbor. One, yeah, I didn't Santa see that. Movie. Uh, and then he just did a ghost movie. He did for Netflix as well. That's right. We yeah. have a ghost. Something I like think. that. Yeah. Well, until next time, um, I've never had a warmer welcome. <laughs> uh, now my life is empty and meaningless. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.